This episode is in partnership with Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool used by manufacturers, retailers across the globe. To find out more information, visit get.roomvo.com. Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. On this week's show, we've got Brandon and Josh from Roomvo. Roomvo is the ultimate room visualization tool for manufacturers, retailers, and everyone in between. Sit back, enjoy the show, and do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. And on today's episode, I have Josh and Brandon from Roomvo. Now, Roomvo is the industry-leading room visualization tool. Um, they proclaim to produce higher conversions, increase sales. They also say that they're going to provide an exceptional shopping experience for online users. So welcome to the podcast. Um, it would be really good if you guys could introduce yourselves. And I'm going to pick Josh first. I, I, I'm, I'm the lucky one first. So, uh Josh Ruff, I'm our VP of Revenue here at Roomvo. So I oversee all of our sales, uh, customer success teams, work more on kind of strategy, direction, things that we're doing next, um, and really getting out there and talking to as many customers as possible to really determine, you know, what do we do next? What do we build next? And so really, you know, spending a lot of time with, with customers and buyers as well. Okay. Brandon? Uh, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm our Director of Dealer Operations at Roomvo. Uh, the company is sort of broken up into two uh, main buckets. We have a whole suite of people who are working with manufacturers and then uh, a big team that works with retailers. And so that's sort of my domain, everything from helping retailers add the visualizer to their website uh, to making sure that they get the most out of the visualizer once it's there sort of falls under my domain. Am I right in saying that the statistic for um, customers that start and on uh, their purchases online is about 81%? Yeah, you're 100%. Uh, today, we're seeing that that 81% of home buyers are starting that that purchase journey online. And how does that normally start? Is that just a we're going to start fishing in the pool to see what's available, um, and then they either do one of two things, don't they? They stay either on that platform that platform, or they go actually into retail store. So, if you can explain a little bit to our listeners about what Roomvo is and how it works, I think that would be a great starting point. Yeah, totally. So um, you, you, you did a great job of sort of setting the stage. We're a visualization, the leading visualization platform in the world. Um, and, and what that means is customers can now go onto your website. If, if you're the retailer or the manufacturer and you have us on your website, uh, a customer can actually go open up the visualizer on, on your website, yeah. upload a photo of their room, and they can start to see what your products look like in their space. Uh, and this is lightning fast. It, it really is as fast as your connection. So it, it kind of removes the doubt from the decision-making. It, it doesn't leave it to the imagination or a small sample. Uh, it lets customers really see what your products look like. And today we're uh, super humble to have hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers on our platform around the world. Uh, and in North America alone, over 5,000 retailers have Roomvo on their website today. Wow. So yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome run. So are there other similar platforms available? And if so, why choose you over those platforms? Yeah, so there's there's some platforms available. Um, uh, there's a handful of, of visualizers for manufacturers for sure. Yeah. Uh, on the retailer side, what makes us really, really unique is our visualizer is free. Yeah. And it can be added to any website in five minutes or less. So it's a really low lift. Um, and it has access to product catalogs from all of the manufacturers that are on our platform. Yeah. So because we have these hundreds of, of brands today working with us, if you add our free visualizer to your website, you're gonna be able to suddenly have a visualizer in seconds that has access to your entire product catalog. And that includes ongoing maintenance, right? So as ads and drops um, happen with the manufacturer, those ads and drops are passed directly through to you and your visualizer. So you no longer need to keep those visualizers or those catalogs up to date, right? All that, that ongoing maintenance is, is completely taken away from you. 
And probably the most important thing that we do is we keep customers on the retailer's website from start to finish. That was going to be one of my questions because I've seen platforms before that you then implement within your own website. And I don't know the technical details around it, but then it almost forces you away from that person's site. And I guess you get asked that all the time. Is that probably one of the first questions that people ask you? For sure. Yeah. It's the most important thing that we do. I mean, as a retailer today, you are spending a ton of energy getting customers to your website. Yeah. The last thing you want is for your most powerful sales tool to take them somewhere else, right? Whether it's the manufacturer site where there are dealer locators uh, and some of the other options are just opening it up in a new tab. But either way, we want to make sure customers are on that retailer site. It opens up full screen. Yeah. A, retail, a visualizer, it's, it's only as good as the ability to show you what that product looks like. So the full screen is important, but the actual domain stays uh, the same from start to finish. The customer's always there. Okay. And and how does that technology actually work? Because it always blows my mind when we, we're starting to talk about AI and virtual reality and all of these things that are going on. I think just the technology, I think I, I'm actually even blown by things like how I had to try and explain to a six-year-old the other day how a telephone, how you can hear somebody else on a telephone across the room and how that gets translated across. So how do you then get that image so quickly onto a room set and then implement somebody else's product over the top of it to give somebody a realistic view? How does that work in really simple terms? I'll tell you, Josh can hit it, but I'll tell you that the secret is you don't let people like Josh and I create the visualizer. You get really smart engineers. Really like smart that's, engineers. that's the secret, to be honest. But, but maybe Josh has more on that front. Yeah, no, that's uh, obviously a little bit of our of our secret sauce. And I'll kind of piggyback uh, and just add to Brandon's comments before uh, about what, what makes us different than others. And I think there's there's two really important parts. I think the first one is our ability to recognize those surfaces in your home, right? So you take a photo of your space, yeah. being able to recognize the floor versus the wall, like that is obviously the challenging part. And there's other tools out there that you can do preset rooms, but the impact of looking at it in your own space a few data points, if people have the option, because we do have preset rooms where you've probably seen it's kind of an inspiration room, about 80% of our users will actually upload a photo of their own home. Um, That's what really differentiates us is, is, hey, I want to see this in my own space. And you see it in the data. So if someone's looking at a preset room scene, they typically look at four different products. Okay. Someone who actually uploaded a photo of their own room is looking at anywhere from 16 to 20. So you see a massive increase in engagement and, and, and someone actually looking at that. And so that's one of the things that really separates us is just how well we can recognize those surfaces, how fast we do it as well. We don't ask for an email address. We make it really, really simple to use. And so that's kind of one of the things. The second piece is, to Brandon's point, is is how we distribute that tool. Really important part for retailers. They want to keep the retailer on their website. And so we use a great analogy um, is is, is the car, if you're looking to buy a car, you might go to the BMW website and that's where you're going to go look at product information. You don't actually buy a buy a car there. You go into the local BMW dealership. And so what's unique about us is we really can provide those visualization tools at very at a lot of different stages of the customer journey. And so you asked, how does someone ex- explore flooring? Well, they may actually look for a specific manufacturer and they may go and find something on their website. But hey, now they go into a showroom, like how can we carry that same experience and provide visualization at the retail level? And so what we've done that's really unique is We've really taken that tool and we can really place it anywhere in a customer journey from online to in-store. We really follow that new kind of modern buyer journey. And those are the two really big things that separate us from what others are doing in the space today. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I didn't even think about that before because I've actually tried this out a few times and I absolutely love playing around with the tool. Um, I never even, it never even dawned on me that when I've done it before, that it removes, it, it it knows exactly where that floor footprint is and your chairs and everything all stay in the same place. And then you can change the direction of the floor if it's going to be a, you know, if it's going to be a wood floor that's going to be installed, change the direction. And how that really helps with that customer experience is huge. And even if you are able to take that retail um solution to somebody's home with a larger format sample board it still doesn't do the trick of what your what your platform does and what your platform offers 
So it's, it's really, really cool. And I've tried it on everything and I can't get it to not do something that I've tried to get it to do. And I love it. Um, awesome. In terms of imagery then, I'm guessing that imagery for um, from manufacturers has to be at a certain level because I've even I can even see texture as well, which really surprised me on these um, on the imagery. That I think one of the things that's always kind of put me off going down this route is that people are very touchy feely. They like feeling product. They like seeing texture and. Some of the other platforms, you can't see any of that detail, but in yours, you seem to be able to really get that detail out. So is that down to the imagery or is that down to the technology? It's a combination of the two. So definitely um, you have to have good quality images to be able to do a lot of the things we do. And so um, when you talk about things like textures, that is absolutely things we're able to do with our technology. So we have something that's called virtual samples where you can actually take a few planks in a 3D environment. You can spin it around, look at different lighting conditions, and you're able to actually see some textures in that. That is actually driven from your standard top-down image. So everything we do today, we actually don't use 3D models for. It's um, We'll probably touch on this later, but data and, and the images is traditionally the biggest roadblock. And if you're familiar with manufacturers, product data, product images haven't been used for things we're doing today. So there's always been this kind of cat and mouse game of when do we need high resolution image when we not. And we're actually obviously seeing a huge transition now where with just high resolution plank images, we can do some really, really amazing things. And, and it's only going to get better from here. Uh, okay. Um, what is there any limitations to what e-commerce platforms this can integrate with, or is it basically available every e-commerce platform? Roombo can integrate with anything. So we can get added to any website and we can be integrated into any existing uh, e-commerce platform that the retailer or the, the manufacturer is already using for okay. things like sample fulfillment and, and shipping. So one of the best parts about what we do is, we don't actually provide the user with the e-commerce platform. We integrate with whatever they're using. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, they don't have to recreate the wheel. That's really good. That's really good. And so in terms, so you've got two different strands of the business. So you've got ones that's for, for manufacturers and one that's for independent dealers. Okay. Let's stick with independent dealers because I know that manufacturer is where you guys are wanting to kind of broaden your, your spectrum in the UK in particular, but the benefits for independent dealers. So I'm guessing that first and foremost, it's ease of being able to display products. Um, what other what other benefits to independent retailers are there if they were going to invest in this technology? It's so hard to answer because there's so many reasons why they should get it today. But I guess let's start by talking about this concept of investing. Yeah, It's free. There is no cost for the independent retailer as long as they are se uh, selling products from brands that are on our platform. Okay. And so if the brand's on our platform, you add the free Roombo assistant to your website today, and then you can uh, pick and choose which products you want in there based on the brands that are on our platform. Okay. What that means now, if you're that retailer, is a customer can go onto your website and yeah. they can now browse products across all of the different brands mm -hmm. that you carry. Yeah. If we compare this to the, the, the traditional model, you were sending a customer to 15 different manufacturer websites yeah. to use 15 different visualizers. You could not compare products across brands. You could only compare products within a brand. So that was difficult. And... When you send the customer to the manufacturer's site, there's that inevitable dealer locator. Yeah. So now what happens is you're sending that, that home buyer to a place where they can find the local competition. And, and, and this changes the conversation that you have with the consumer, right? This changes it from um, a conversation about price where they're able to say to you, well, this is too much. And I know that someone down the street also sells this product. I'm gonna bring my business elsewhere. And instead, because you're keeping them on your site the whole time, you can have a conversation about value, about what makes you guys different. Um, and, and it starts with that confidence that you're instilling in them through using the visualizer. So that's uh, that for me is, is, is sort of, it's a no brainer. It's completely free as long as those brands are on there and we're always bringing new ones on board. 
And what happens in the scenario where you may have a retailer that does, say, five or six different brands and only three of them may be um, invested in the room for technology and then the other three? Um, would you try, Would is that a case for you guys to then try and approach those other three to try and get those on board with the with, with Roomvol? Or how would that work on their sites? Because I'm guessing that there'd be a little bit of disjoint there um, from a customer-facing point of view that, you know, maybe there'd be a little bit of frustration there that they wouldn't be able to do their entire range through the Visualizer app. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm guessing that would just get better as your presence in the UK gets becomes more yeah um are there any number of product limitations to this because i think some e-commerce sites and e-commerce platforms you may have some that have say you know somebody might already have 250 um products as a limitation would that would the integration with roomful therefore exceed that limitation if they only had 250 or is it just like taking one product and then it kind of bypasses that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the the free version of Roomvo doesn't actually connect into your e-commerce platform. Yeah. So um, that one is not restricted by anything other than which brands we have on our platform. Yeah. If you yeah. carry brands or a hundred brands and we have them all on our platform, totally fair game. Yeah. Um, and, and for retailers who want more of a custom build, like you were suggesting, maybe we don't have all of their products, maybe our free version just isn't for them, even if we had those products. Um, that's where Josh's team comes in. And for that, there is no there is no limit. Um, not on the number of products and, and not on what we want to be able to do to help support them, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, Josh can obviously talk more on that front, but but really we can, we can work with you no matter how many products you have. And I'm guessing as well that you could also select, you know, if, for example, you have a manufacturer that has six different product ranges, you could only, you might want to just choose two of those product ranges. You you wouldn't necessarily have to show all of them. But I think the, the advantage of that is as well that you've got, as you say, any upgrades that are made from manufacturer get you know, there's there's no cost implications or time implications for that per, for that individual retailer to actually be spending money or time on recreating the wheel and changing dimensions, changing shapes, shape sizes, and all of those things. Um, one of the things that often changes and has changed in the last couple of years um, are things like pack sizes. And I'm guessing that information would all be fed through from the manufacturer side, therefore speeding up a process for the retailer as well. So another benefit. So right now, we the the, the free visualizer is really based on helping customers see what that product looks like in their space. Right. We are absolutely working on getting more uh, product info on a per SKU basis right. so that the retail sales staff has a lot more info at their fingertips for each SKU. Okay. Uh, but today it wouldn't have something like right. uh, how many, uh, you know, planks come in, in, a, in a pack, as you said, but what it, what it does, um, what it does come with today is the, the fully automated catalog. So when new SKUs are added or dropped, that is all okay. automatically passed. That makes sense. And I suppose that yeah. all of that additional stuff is more, is, is, and I'm guessing we'll probably come to that later on, because these are things that will need to be potentially implemented in the future to make sure that that experience is 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 viable for everybody involved. Okay, so from a manufacturer's point of view, where are, you, where are the benefits for manufacturers for this? So the big benefit for manufacturers kind of to the point we touched on is um, consumer buyer, consumer buying behaviors have changed drastically. Um, in general, people are starting their, their buying journeys online. Um, and so when you think of the modern day buyer, they're going online and they're visualizing products. They are starting their experience online. Um, and you have to think of the in-store experience as well. Like, People have cell phones. There's a lot of technologies in people's hands. And so as a manufacturer, what tools can you provide your retailers to support them in selling product? And again, it really has to align with the new buyer, right? Buyer buying behavior has changed drastically. Millennials, we're seeing the, you know, the um, home buyers are a lot younger now. And so for manufacturers, you're now able to support your retailers with tools to be able to do the same thing. So, you know, are you handing out static brochures anymore? Or are you looking to, Hey, let's actually provide a visualization. So you're, you're really providing unique 
opportunities for A, to leverage technology in the showroom, um, to give buyers ways to identify your products outside of the traditional means. So maybe not going into a showroom and just seeing a sample, you're giving access to so many different ways to see your products and you're helping people sell at the end of the day, right? Not only is our visualizer used on a website, I think Brandon's going to chime in on this a little bit, but now how can we actually impact the sale in the showroom? So if someone's in there working with an RSA, how can I, how as a manufacturer, how can I make sure that my products are being prioritized? How can I make sure that my products are kind of front and center? And we give manufacturers obviously the opportunity to be able to do that and way to really, you know, modernize the way they're selling their products. And, 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 and the industry's obviously changed quite drastically over the last few years. It has. And I think you've also just touched on that buyer expectations have also changed. How is that? impact in our industry directly? The expectations have also changed along with the buyer themselves, right? And Josh sort of alluded to this idea that, you know, if you if you kind of start from this idea that you buy, you buy floors two to three times in your life, right? And that first one is your first place, right? And you're renovating it. And, and so uh, that consumer is younger. That is the millennial. That is the consumer who understands technology. Yeah. And they are expecting technology as a result to be part of the process. So, you know, something as simple as how they start their journey is completely different. We said 81% of them um, or 81% of these consumers now are starting online. That doesn't just mean that they're going to your website. It also means that they're going to all of your competitors' websites from the comfort of their couch. No longer do they have to get in the car and drive and put all this effort in. And so that way they're restricted to however many showrooms they can get to in a day. They can get to 50 showrooms from their couch. And and this experience starts to actually shape the expectation. Maybe they weren't expecting to have a visualizer be part of the process. But I can promise you that if your competitor down the street has one on their website, that now becomes part of the expectation. And so the actual journey starts to mold the expectation um, and, and incorporating technology becomes a really massive part of that. So everything from how does your website look? That's your first interaction. We say first impressions are everything. That's now important. Websites that are clean and up to date and what tools are on it. Obviously we're biased with yeah. the visualized, but other things that come to mind are chatbots, right? Being able to immediately communicate with someone from the couch in your showroom. These are things that uh, that customers either expect at the offset or quickly come to expect as they start to really take the journey seriously. And where is that connection then with Roomful in store? So if we have individuals that are doing that shopping experience on home and they're greeted by all of this digital platform, they then rock up to a retail store. Are there expectations that there's something similar to that in store also going to be there? And how can retailers use that, use the platform in store as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, another quirk of the modern consumer, uh, especially of the millennial, is this kind of concept of omni-channel marketing, right? Yeah. There's an expectation that every touch point that a consumer has with your brand is consistent. And sometimes this is one of those things that the consumer doesn't actually know that they want, but they notice when it's not there. Yeah. They go into this really pretty website and then they walk into a absolute mess of a showroom and that dissonance, you're done, you've lost them. And so, yeah. so how do we help bring, how do we help sort of establish and, and promote this omni-channel experience? Well, it goes all the way down to complimentary training. So if you have our visualizer on your website, we train your sales team so that when the consumer walks in the door, the sales reps know how to use it yeah. so that they're immediately seeing, hey, I use this at home and this is how they're using it in store, right? And, and that changes the questions that sales reps ask. And that changes part of the sales process to incorporate technology uh, in, a, in a buying journey that has typically been physical exchange of samples and, and talking about things like square footage and, and wear layers, right? This is This is a different way to approach a sale. And then it goes all the way to actually being able to bring technology into the showroom through things like our new QR codes and kiosks. Yeah. So you use us as your visualizer on your website. We can help you generate QR codes that you can place on your samples in your showroom. Yeah. And when scanned, these open up the visualizer to that exact product that the consumer scanned in the visualizer on your website, not on the manufacturer's website. So we, again, we're promoting this back and forth and, 
And now we're doubling down on that in a huge way with uh, our kiosk. It's a massive 43-inch touchscreen that we are officially bringing to market in a couple of weeks uh, at Surfaces, which is uh, North yeah. America's largest trade show. And so um, we're going to help bring Roombo to life on that. And uh, it's going to let customers walk around the showroom, create that cur curated list of favorite SKUs from the QR codes, and open up the visualizer on this massive touchscreen and see their room come to life with the products that they love. So um, we're, we're really excited about, about this part. Yeah. And so I think we also touched on that there has been a shift in the buy in, in a buyer's journey, but also from a retailing perspective as well, there's been this recent trend of mobile retail stores and going away from the traditional bricks and mortar. And I suppose with what you're saying as well, this the, the Roombo technology can also be used on a mobile basis. It can be taken out to a client's home. It can be used in person in that way, both on phone or on iPad or whatever platform it might be. But do you think there'll ever be just the case for digital showrooms and that's it? Or do you think there needs to be a mix of different styles in the flooring industry? I get asked that one a lot, right? Like, I'm, I guess I'm being asked to be a bit of a psychic and I, and I guess what, the, yeah, like I guess the conclusion I've sort of come to, and it's probably subject to change. So if, uh, if my answer changes in a year, you, you won't quote me on this, but, uh, you know, when we look at things that have, that have digitized in the past, so clothing, right. Um, and, and shoes, Zappos is another great example of, of industries that swore up and down that it required a physical experience, that the consumer had to come and try things on to actually make the purchase. That was totally dismantled, right? And when we look at who the consumer is of floors, it's that same consumer that adopted buying clothes and shoes online is now the same consumer that's about to purchase floors. I don't have a reason to believe that they're not willing to at least try this. But then if we look at Josh's analogy, they still go into the showroom before the dealership before they buy a car. So there's clearly a, a price tag. When the price gets to a certain point, they're willing to, convenience no longer matters and they want to go and still feel it, right? And, and see it. And so I think that that happy medium at the very least in the short term is the mobile showroom where they're coming to you. So you can still get that that physical interaction with the product, but the convenience factor of being able to do things a lot more remotely is there. Yeah. And frankly, if I'm a retailer, this is awesome news because a truck is a lot less overhead than a showroom. Yeah. And I can now come into your house and take photos with a visualizer and, and close a deal on the spot way faster than a customer who comes into my showroom and then has to leave with the sample to see it in their space and come like, why not go to where they have to make the decision anyway? So. Agreed. That's probably going to happen soon. Yeah, agreed. And um, there will there will always be people that want right. You just touched on the the um, clothing shopping online experience, right? My personal perspective, I absolutely hate shopping online. <laughs> okay. Because I like I like to walk around the store and I like to touch things really weirdly. Um, I like to touch things and I like to be able to try it on there and then. Um, and then walk out. I, I don't like this um, idea of buying some clothes, then it coming, then trying it on, then having to then send it back again, then waiting for a replacement to come out. And I suppose there's always going to be that type of customer. And maybe that's just me. Um, it's the same, you know, it's the same with food shopping online. I, I really like to choose my own food. Um, it's nothing against what anybody else is going to be doing, but I like to go to the store and choose my own food. But maybe that I'm just miss, I'm missing out on that millennial thing um, and I kind of go with the times. But I saw something recently about the shopping experience that and I don't know where I saw it. It, it was showing um, the future of um, how we're going to buy clothes and in particular shoes in the future where you would be able to select the shoe on your phone and then you'd be able to kind of almost bring it out as like a 3D image, like a projection. And I thought, that's a really cool idea. So you could really see all of it, but I'm still not going to be able to touch it. Is, is that yeah. going to be a limitation? Are we going to go back on ourselves and get back into this resilient touchiness again? Or is that just me and my age? We talk, we talk about this and think about this a lot. I think it's really interesting too, because I think for me, I think it comes down to more of the experience yeah. is what really determines it. Um, 
you mentioned earlier textures, right? And mm-hmm. so think of clothing, like people wanted to feel the texture. Now, less people are interested in the texture and obviously mm-hmm. a lot more people buy. So like, what's more important? Is it the features like texture and wear layers and those types of things? Or is it the experience? I know for myself, I also enjoyed the experience. And so the way we design and build things is very much built on the experience. And so it needs to be as simple to use. And there's a lot of these flashy things, like you mentioned, like, you know, there's VR and there's so many different ways that, you know, people are looking at to, to kind of integrate in technology. But at the end of the day, like, is someone going to use it is kind of the one thing we always think about. Like it needs to be so simple and so easy to use that you don't put up a lot of those roadblocks. And I think, the experience is something that will always be there, whether it's an online experience and it's digital only, it's still the experience. And that's the important piece, less about kind of the, the product specs and those types of things, but it's, it's totally the experience and what someone's expectations are of that experience when they're buying something. Yeah. And where, where do you think that demands will evolve over the next few years? Where do you think the industry is going to go for you guys um, in the few, in the next few years? I think in general, the industry is a little, is I think it's so secret, a little bit behind the times in terms of technology adoption. I think yeah. it's going to continue to follow that trend. I think COVID accelerated things, no question about it, I think now. But I think moving more and more to just like change takes time, especially change when you're talking about an industry that is decades and decades old of, 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 of the way things have been bought. And so I think it's a continual transition of moving to digital. And that's covers a lot of things. The way you find your customer, the way you interact with your customer, um, the way you build your products, um, the way you design products. Like if I'm a manufacturer, like how do I decide what products to build next? I think, again, you got to go back to technology and data, right? And so it's going to continuously evolve to this world where we're listening to consumers more. We're using more data to make our decisions, no matter what it might be. And it's that slow move towards what you've seen other industries that are traditionally, a lot of people said, hey, no, it's never going to happen. The reality is it's going to continuously move to digital. And there's a lot of challenges there with roadblocks, with in, or sorry, with, with data, with infrastructure. There are so many things that need to happen. But I, I don't think in five years we're going to be sitting here with virtual reality headsets on and everyone's going to be imagining, but I do think we're, you know, slowly going to keep moving towards that. And in five years from now, I think um, a conversation like we're having today will just be, you know, the normal and not kind of an emerging technology. It'll just be kind of table stakes um, in five years from now. And what's, what is next for room for then in terms is is there anything in the pipeline that's kind of, not really being disclosed yet i'm trying to poke you to see if there's anything else that's exciting that's coming there's uh well we don't have rumbo holograms coming out so there won't be the ability to pop up something <laughs> in these space. that one we don't have um we do have virtual samples and that's pretty cool uh yeah next steps for us uh, look we're really focused on helping retailers not just uh, well not just retailers anyone who uses rumbo not just get our visualizer, but use our visualizer and really get the most out of our visualizer, right? And so this year, you're seeing a lot uh, of enablement things from us, from the training to the QR codes and the kiosk. That's going to help people get the most out of our tool. Um, The next thing is uh, an expansion in a big way of of really trying to to get overseas and bring what we've uh, done so well in North America uh, to, to really get way more uh, retailer adoption overseas. And uh, and for me, um, I think the most exciting thing is that we want to be super consumer driven. Like We want to listen to the customers. We want to actually figure out what they want before we just go and start building things for the sake of it. Um, and so as we get more users, we're getting a lot more amazing feedback. And, and so we got some really cool features on the horizon based on those learnings. Oh, and you, you said then about... Um research and development has there ever been anything that you have done that you wish you hadn't and it didn't work out as planned totally josh do you have things to kind of <laughs> I, I can actually give a very concrete example uh, and a lot of people have probably experienced this where um you see traditional ar so if you're buying a piece of furniture where you hold up your phone and it like projects the piece of furniture over the room yeah um we actually started doing that first and that was the, the path we were going down. Um, and we totally shifted the way we think about visualization. Um, there was a lot of challenges there where you had to download an app. Um, 
a lot more com complicated for the user. And so we moved to our traditional model now where you take a photo because I hate to say it, but people are, are inherently lazy, right? They want to sit on the couch. They want to flip through. They don't want to stand up and hold their phone and walk around. So it always kind of goes back to the experience, right? We want people to have an enjoyable experience. We don't want them to have to jump through hoops to be able to use our tool. And so that is a real life example of the way we started and shifting completely. And ever since that shift, that was, I mean, three and a half, four years ago, we instantly saw adoption usage and all those things kind of go through the roof. And it's really become part of our MO that there's a lot of bright, shiny objects out there. There's all these new VR tools and things like that. And I said it earlier, are people actually going to use it? Um, and so it's, it's a really nice to have, but is it an enjoyable experience? Are your customers going to use it every single day? Is it going to help your business? And it's really important to differentiate between those two and understand, you know, Hey, like, is this going to work for my business versus just being nice to have? Yeah. I mean, is there any real life experience um, that you've had as well of any feedback that you've been given critical or otherwise that you thought, ah, we missed that and we really need to do that and do that quickly. Look, we get feedback all the time on our product. If you actually look at what our visualizer was when I started three years ago, the free Roomba assistant could only have one brand at a time. Right. That was all we could do. Right. And, and, retailers would add it to their website and then they would take it off the next day. Yeah. And I thought that having a free visualizer, even if it had a sub small subset of products, that that was enough that we were going to give them a crazy powerful sales tool um, yeah. that, that, that we didn't need to have everything. And that was super wrong. We actually had to change uh, infrastructure in order to be able to support having multiple brands at one time and have it customized on a per retailer basis so that one visualizer is different than the next. So it's tough to, to talk about it in the context of, of regrets per se, but learnings 100% and that still happens daily. There is no time Every for day. regrets. There is no time for regrets. No, ever. No. Learn from it, move on quickly <laughs> if you need to. Yeah. Um, okay, what do you think are the biggest issues currently in the flooring industry? Whether, um, you know, in this space or otherwise from what you've seen? Because I get the impression and I know that the American market, although very, very similar, you seem to be a little bit further ahead than us in the UK. Um, you've spent a bit of time in the UK because you and I did meet Brandon at the Harrogate Flooring Show, which was awesome. We touched on this before we started the podcast. Um, is there anything in particular? I mean, it'd be nice to hear what both of you think actually to this. Um, what do you think the biggest challenges are at the present moment in the UK in this flooring industry? I mean, probably the ones people are most calm with. Like there's, you know, supply chain issues. You've got trade and labor issues with installers and things like that. Like not only getting access to product, being able to have access to installers and people actually do the work. So we're talking about manual labor shortages. Economic conditions, which I think, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world today. I think everyone's at a different stage of some of the economic challenges, but it's happening everywhere. I think um, the, the North American market is feeling it a little bit less um, than you're seeing over in Europe. Um, I think those are kind of the three big things. And so pile on top of that change in buyer's behavior. There's just so many things that have happened over the past 24 to 36 months where everything is different, right? Not only are your buyers different, every business has kind of struggled with things and um, we tend to just look at things that opportunities, right? So like, where is there an opportunity to do more with less? And I think people have to now start to get creative and try to differentiate themselves a little bit. I think that's where we obviously play a role. We really help people do more with less, but I think the challenges are similar. I think they're at different stages, um, depending on where you are in the world that you mentioned, I was just at Domatex in Germany, um, and similar issues again, but very different stages. And I think the scale of some of those challenges are a little bit different depending on where you go. Just to go back to this labor thing, because um, I'm part of a, um, a flooring group, a Facebook flooring group for women in the flooring industry. And that's an American, it's an American group actually. Um, and I see all the time that there are, um, there's a lot going on around apprentice, uh, apprenticeships and skilled labor shortages. And they just seem to be, so, you seem to be so far ahead of us here. Um, does, is, is there a lot of noise around trying to get more people into the industry over in America? Or is it just that it's... it's I, I do think, I just, um, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I think younger people also want to work 
in, you know, I, I hate to say it, but flooring doesn't seem like a super sexy industry. It's not really appealing, <laughs> <Why> not? <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, that's what the general sentiment has been, right? And myself, I worked in uh, food delivery, like Uber Eats. I helped launch that in, in Canada. And so I was in technology for the last 10 yeah. years. And for me to move into the flooring space, I was kind of like, okay. Um, but I got in there because of technology. And so I think the more technology and the more, you know, modern day tools and things that are going to be used in the industry, it's going to attract new talent. And so I yeah. think the the sooner, and it's not just visualization software, right? It's all, there's so many different technologies that are being used from marketing automation software. Like there are a ton of different technologies that are coming out in the industry now. And I think as the industry as a whole starts to level itself up in terms of technology adoption, you're going to be able to attract more talent. And I think that's just the way things are. The industry will slowly move and progress forward. Uh, but that's kind of my general thought as someone who was absolutely in the tech industry. And I was like flooring, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even, and, and here I am, I've been working in it for, you know, close to three years now. So. So the answer to that question is that we need to make it a little bit more appealing and a little bit more sexy for people to actually come into in the first place. Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. drive awareness. Like, you know, well, there's a great group in, uh, in North America, the FCEF floor covering education foundation. Okay. Um, and, uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know their executive director, Jim Marin, who's an amazing guy and their whole mission, um, him and Kay Whitner, the, the, their mission is really to get more recruits, right? Installers and they've, and they've created training programs and they've partnered with uh, a, a college in Georgia to actually build out courses for this. And part of their learning was just uh, that, that, that people don't know about it. They know what a plumber does. They know what an electrician does, but they don't know what it means to have a career in flooring. And so it's not even part of their consideration set. And, and, and so there are similar groups where you are, you know, FIDA is an amazing organization. And that's, that's actually who we've partnered with to get to the floor show in Harrogate. They're the ones who had introduced us to the show. And um, yeah, it's just been, it's been awesome to get to know the folks who are working on the problem. And look, if it's a problem for retailers, by extension, it's a problem for us to help with. And, and so technology is something that helps not only drive awareness, but gets people excited. And, and I think that there is a way for us to, to lend a hand in, in that. Love that answer. Really do. Right. That's enough of all the serious stuff. Now there is a tradition on this podcast that we do a bit of a quick fire round. Um, some of the questions I'm not going to ask, but I'm going to ask you them. I'm going to mix it up a little bit, I think, as well. Um, and I'm going to ask Josh first, because I think you were prepared for this. Um, so, McDonald's or Burger King? I have to go Burger King because everyone loves McDonald's and Burger King is flame broiled. You can't go wrong with a Whopper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? Oh, that's a crazy answer. McDonald's is just... It's just the, the obvious answer. I'm I'm actually struggling to even find a way to pick Burger King. I, that's all. That's all there is to it. Flame broiled. Flame broiled. Key differentiator. It's crazy. <laughs> there is, there is a thing. I I actually prefer McDonald's chips and Burger King burgers. So if you could have a combination of the both, it would be quite. It'd be quite. Yeah, it would be nice. I support that. I support that. That's a great idea. Um. Let's go with Brandon. Um, if you won 10 million pounds today, what would you spend it on? Oh man, of all the questions, I, I don't know if I have, I, I think what I would want to do is get, uh, I lived in, in British Columbia for a year. I was a big skier growing up. I think I would get a place out there so I could go skiing in real mountains whenever I want. Cause where I live, they are very, very sad excuses for, for ski hills. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Honestly, this is going to sound like such a boring answer, but nothing. I just like, I feel like there's just this, there's this sense of security, which is having a big nest egg where just a lot of my stresses would just disappear. I just think just being able to just do what you want when you want. It's just a great feeling. Would you continue working? For $10 million? Probably. Yeah. For ten, if I you mean, bought ten million dollars today, would you continue working? Um, no, I, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, uh, I probably would, but in a different capacity. I think, I think I would. I'd probably want to use it for some form of good, so more charitable based. My my background 
prior to all of this flooring industry stuff, which I've been in for a very, very long time, was charitable. So, um, yeah, I think I would probably spend a bit more time of my myself on that other fence as well. Um, okay, let's go with dream car. Brandon, what is your dream car? Aston Martin, for sure. Big oh, James you had Bond. to. You had to. <laughs> big, big James Bond. Come on. Aston Martin, no doubt. What about you, Josh? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go. Oh, it's tough because I would have said Aston Martin. I mean, you got to pick the UK brand there. Let's go with, uh, <laughs> I, I would probably get a Lamborghini. I'd probably get a Lamborghini, you know. Anyone, any in particular? An old purple Diablo. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that a, would be my choice. It is a classic. It is a classic. It, it, it is a little interesting because if we gave you $10 million, you'd get nothing. But you're going with the purple Diablo Lamborghini, you know? That is a little interesting. I, I was I was, I was, was asked a question, so I had to answer it. I, I, I you know, that's, <laughs> I had that poster on my wall, so. Um, okay, so beer, wine, or water? Josh. Water. I'm a non-drinker, so water is pretty boring. Sparkly water, though. Fizzy but, water. I, I was just about to say, fizzy or still? Fizzy. Gotta fizzy be. all the time. I was really excited today. I had a, a client meeting today, and they offered me um, sparkling water. And it was, I was really excited because I, I love sparkling water. Really do. This might be controversial, but plain water, I think it's, I, I don't, it's boring. it's boring. I don't, I can't drink it. It's boring. Yeah. It's, oh, my God. Absolutely agree. And also, um, this could also be very controversial that I don't think it quenches thirst. No. No. I agree. <laughs> it just is like crazy controversial. This is like, this is definitely not, you know, wow, this is wild. I think you're outnumbered here though. So you're, you're, you're in the minority here, actually. I am in the minority here. Brandon, what's the number one thing that quenches your thirst then? Is it water? Um, no, like, yeah, water's up there. If, I, if I'm, if i like, really thirsty, for sure I'm going for a glass. You know, I never had Guinness before. Okay. And after the flooring show at Harrogate, I, I was going to Tresai in, in Bologna in Italy. And uh, we had this weekend. Okay. We had to kind of to make it over there. So we went and we stayed in Dublin for the weekend. And I had my first pint of Guinness in Dublin. And I got to say, I'm a big I'm a big Guinness guy now. I think that that's, that's my new favorite. And that was your first time having a Guinness? Yeah, totally. I just, I don't know why. I just never, not a big thing in Canada, maybe. I, maybe I just, I was in the minority, but uh, yeah, I tried it and I loved it. Don't think it quenches thirst though. No, yeah, water is where <laughs> I'm going to go for quenching the thirst. <laughs> um, and my final question is, if there's one place in the world that you could go or you would like to go, where would it be and why? And a question to Josh first. Um probably Madagascar a things you wildlife things you'd never see very remote incredibly difficult and just like incredibly beautiful interesting I like that one Brandon yeah Josh is gonna make fun of me I won't live this down I'm a big Disney adult I'm a big hey I I I, I support this I'm a big I know I know I know I'd like to go to Disney Paris maybe I've seen Disney Orlando I'd like to I've seen Disney World let's go Disney Paris Disney Paris it's very expensive. It's very yeah, but this was a dream vacation. I was allowed to pick anywhere in the dream, world. So it I, is very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I it was. It. <laughs> Honestly, we um we had a we did two trips. We did one to Disney Paris. Um, oh, it must have been eleven years ago, and we did one to Orlando. And I am positive the Orlando one was cheaper than Paris. I think they charged. I think I got, um, we went to a vending machine and it was $3, uh, what is it, three, three, it was about £3.50 for a Twix um, chocolate bar, which oh. is just not that big. Never again. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe but I'll I adjust. Like it. It's very, very nice. Vacation. It's very, very yeah. nice. No, it sounds like <laughs> a 
Good location. So um, thank you very much for both coming on the podcast with me. I've, I've really actually enjoyed it and learning a lot more about Roomvo and what the capabilities are. Um, just to finish off, if um, our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you and where are the best platforms to find you? Yeah, our website is definitely the best way to, to get in touch with us. Um, if you just go to roomvo.com, uh, there are options at the top for visualizer solutions, and we have uh, a really easy to navigate menu for retailers or uh, independent dealers. And we have a separate stream for manufacturers. And uh, if you just go there, you will uh, you will get in touch with either Josh or I or our teams, depending on what you need, and, and we can get you set up from there. Excellent. And are you on any social media platforms? Yeah, our marketing team has stepped up the social media game in a big way. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, those would be the two, I think, that uh, – yeah. and if I if I give you a phone number here, are you able to to, to post it out? I can give everyone okay. a phone yep. number that they we can, can use. Yeah, we can do that. We can put that in the in the comments on um, underneath the podcast as well. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, you can reach out to me directly at any time. Uh, it's 1-888-526-526. 7152. And uh, you can call that, you can text that, that goes right to me and uh, we can get 24 you. 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. It happens. It's wild. And so whatever you guys need. <laughs> because how how far, be, you're behind us, aren't you, in terms of time? What time is it there where you are now? Uh, but 4 p.m. I think it's six. I think we're five hours. Five hours. Okay. Yeah. There is a time when it's six hours because I think your daylight savings time is different than ours. So um, sometimes we're five hours, sometimes we're six hours. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, And yes, thank you very much again for coming on and joining us. Um, Yeah, it's been a pleasure to speak to you both. Thanks so much for having us. You're very welcome, guys. You're very welcome. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.